Welcome to The Long Way Around the Barn, where we discuss many of today's technology adoption and transformation challenges and explore varied ways to get to your desired outcomes. There's usually more than one way to achieve your goals. Sometimes the path is simple. Sometimes the path is long, expensive, complicated, and or painful. In this podcast, we explore options and recommended courses of action to get you to where you're going now. The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting. For those wanting to defend or extend their market share, Trility simplifies, automates, and secures your world, your way. Learn how you can experience reliable delivery results at Trility.io. Welcome to another episode of The Long Way Around the Barn. My guest today is Mark Getz, the president of Home Care Advocacy Network, whose mission is to enhance the lives of aging adults and their families. This episode continues my conversation on how technology can improve the lives of our aging population through the use of remote monitoring solutions, using Internet of Things or Connected Things technologies, while also ensuring purposeful, comprehensive privacy and information security practices along the way. Mark, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Matthew. Mark, the name of your organization is Home Care Advocacy Network, and people can obviously go learn more about your org by visiting your website, hcanthrive.com. So that's hcanthrive.com. Teach us a little bit about your organization. For example, what are your organization's aspirations? What do you offer folks today? Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? Teach us. All right. Well, thanks, Matthew. It's an honor to be here today. Um, the Home Care Advocacy Network was created, you know, we really started the creation of it in 2018 with a vision of becoming the world's leading source of home care connections for seniors and their families. What we, the way we see the home care world today is that generally speaking, you have 45 to 64 year olds who are trying to set up services for mom. And that's usually when the care processes start. Our company gets involved in helping them uh, find ways that they can age in place. Um, We decided on a decidedly franchising uh, route for our business model. So we do sell territories to do business as the Home Care Advocacy Network. We sell those to individuals and entrepreneurs who, generally speaking, are mission-oriented people. They want to own their own business, and they want to do good in the process. The other side of our business, which is very closely related to the entrepreneur side, is the white label franchise model. And so through my experience with other large franchised organizations that do in-home care, and as well as working with senior living, we realized that senior living needed an option to be able to provide consistent, successful, and competitive in-home services to be able to expand their marketplace. Marketplace uh, for senior living in the in-home services world is, I would say, a fractured one at best. About 46% of the revenue coming into home care companies today comes from a senior living referral that is most of the time made because there is a vacuum where the senior living company just doesn't provide or maybe doesn't quite know how to provide successful competitive in-home services in a local market. So um, we provide both options. You can own your own business, doing business as a home care advocacy network, or a senior living provider can own their own in-home services business under their own name, supported by the home care advocacy network. Nice. That's a nice approach. That's interesting. Ultimately, your goal is to enable um, age in place or uh, people to stay home basically for as long as possible. That's the overall that's what you're trying to enable is people to stay home and maintain, you know, their integrity, their autonomy, their independence as long as possible. Um, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. We think there's going to be the way we see it, um, in the past, the continuous care retirement community was defined as independent living. Then when you lose your ADLs as a senior, you move to assisted living. And then finally, you move to skilled and then hospice. So 
that's pretty much been the standard continuum. We believe there's a step missing, and that's the in-home services to independent or that gray area between in-home services and independent living. We have over 93% of consumers right now who want to, if they could, age in place in their homes. So we believe there's a big opportunity to empower senior living to uh, capture more of this market and have a much better, more succinct client nurturing program for themselves in the process. Okay. Interesting. That's all good stuff. So given um, where you'd like to head, what you're doing, um, taking into other considerations such as um, needing to have staff, uh, medical care staff, experienced people to do these types of things, complicating it with uh, uh, pandemic type considerations whereby uh, human touch and contact is, is challenged or complicated. I'm curious then, how do you see the use of technology um, changing the way you provide home care services or how workers do their jobs in the future? Or have you already started making changes? Uh, teach us about that a little bit. Sure. So between eight and 10 years ago, uh, there were a number of disrupting, uh, disruptions in the home care market. Um, many home care companies up to that point had created their own proprietary scheduling software. And there were a number of people from Silicon Valley that saw that as an opportunity where you had companies that had their own homegrown services, uh, technology services, and um, they created some of the world's finest software to manage in-home services. But it required a different level of connectivity with, uh, with caregivers for the first time in the marketplace. So um, this technology really caught on. And I would say today, to do in-home services well, it really takes a, um, a digitally connected caregiver with a client that's attached to a care plan. And in the marketplace, uh, over the last seven, eight years, that technology has really caught on. Very few providers today are old school, just running their business on a spreadsheet and having caregivers call in and not having it all connected into one kind of tight little box. So, um, so technology has really been probably one of the biggest change agents um, and the ability to get, get that technology at, for a relatively low price has been one of the biggest innovations uh, in the home care world. How we see that in the future is we see kind of the next evolution is for families to be more interconnected and connected to the actual care. So you've seen uh, other disruptors now or um, kind of disruptive companies come into the marketplace that have seen, have taken the kind of standard home care software and they've said, hey, there's something missing in this. Hey, we're missing falls technology. We're missing um, a greater family virtual private network. Um, in the technology. And so I think you're going to see uh, some of the larger scheduling kind of all-in-one billing companies uh, look to probably either purchase or create their own um, virtual private network, family connected technology. So families can stay more in touch with what's happening with their, with their loved ones care. So does that then suggest the virtual private network, which which I get, is basically for those that are unfamiliar, it's a it's a dedicated private secured tunnel from one point to another, as opposed to just data traveling across the internet, wild and open for anybody to look at. So virtual private network. But Mark, in that that illustration that you're talking about, are you talking about just providing communication links between family members, or are you also talking about uh, sharing? Um, health status or living status uh, through other types of monitoring and measurement solutions as well? Uh, it's a little of both. So I think, you know, when we look at it through the home care lens, we see some people that really need a falls risk technology. And there's some really good uh, services out there and good companies uh, out there. But that particular technology may not be all inclusive of a full communication suite. Uh, and I think there have been 
some really strong players enter the market um, in that particular uh, service uh, company that comes to mind is LifeLoop. What's interesting is it isn't necessarily can directly connected to the home care technology that we see. So home care has created kind of its own all-in-one service. Most, most all of these companies um, that serve the home care market. So what is happening within the home care space right now is that um, it's oftentimes missing out on that complete picture, the complete holistic picture. But it's still far better than much of the technology, I would say, that a senior living community actually runs on. So uh, outside of the senior living community technology system, um, home care technology has developed, I would say, quite a bit faster over the last seven, eight years because they've been pushed by a more competitive marketplace. Okay, that makes sense. No, that's fine. That's absolutely why you're here is to teach us uh, what you see. So you're thinking that uh, based on what you're communicating, technology has helped facilitate a change in the industry, and that's a positive thing. And so some of the things that you're observing are talking about things like communication pipes, uh, the virtual private networks, how existing software providers might augment their existing uh, solutions to include some of these ideas. Um, you've mentioned fall detection. I'm wondering, as you see technology evolve, do you see a difference, or is it the same, a difference between new technologies enabling a change in the way home care providers provide their care, and does that look different than the technologies that are changing the quality of life, quality of home care experience for our elders? Is it one and the same, or do you see two different things going on at the same time? You know, I, I, we're, we're seeing it go on like multiple things happen at the same time. And the reason being certain companies. So, for instance, we've seen a massive over the past seven, eight months with COVID. Um, you've seen massive new purchasing of technology by senior living providers. Um, many of those senior living providers were missing that uh, communication link. So before maybe COVID, it was a really good idea. It was maybe on their overall tech roadmap to get in. COVID helped speed that up and it helped speed up that integration and even the, the adaptation to it. Um, what has happened though, is that home care still in large part exists outside of senior living. And so uh, home care technology was already pretty much there but new providers without a home care perspective have crept into the senior living marketplace. So now we do see, um, we do see kind of two siloed, very good products, uh, generally speaking at play, uh, whether or not a client has, you know, their, cause they could be at a senior living provider. And this is kind of a, a misnomer. You think, well, when we move mom into a community, you know, then we can be done with, um, having her, her own caregiver from an agency. Oftentimes when moms has a caregiver uh, before she moves into a community or senior living provider, she will generally speaking, keep that caregiver when she moves. Okay. So now the community's tried to solve for its own communication challenges, but the client uh, exists between the family and the home care service provider. So, um, we have created kind of two different communication channels when that situation exists. Okay. All right. That's fun. So as an industry, um, as an industry overall and or specific to home care, um, would you consider the industry that you're in, the segment that you're in, if you will, um, are companies like yours generally ultra conservative in adopting new technology are there some companies that are ultra aggressive, like bleeding edge, like somebody had an idea and they've already tried to implement it? And as an industry, uh, do you find that technology exists and then there's variable speeds of adoption? What's the, is there a general profile? I mean, how would you even profile your perspective on things? What makes sense? What's safe? Yeah, very good question. So we see there's generally speaking two different mindsets. So our industry in general, in-home services, um, primarily, you know, we monetize ourselves by 
being really good at recruiting caregivers and applying their um, availability against need, against the hours that a client or a client's family wants. And so um, I would say there are certain companies in our space where they see technology as a threat to that, to that business model. Sure. And, um, and so there is, uh, I would say in, on one side of the, of the, cam- uh, of the camp, it's uh, highly cautionary, um, many of the leaders in our industry. And there's another side that really understands the future is technology plus caregiving. So we believe that it's not just caregiving that's going to solve the problems that face us with aging, but it's caregiving plus technology. And I would say that's where our company is um, is standing uh, pretty firm on. We realize that there are many quality players in this market. So right now, I would say there's a lot of right answers. And I think that uh, on uh, is one of the things that's happening in the marketplace when there is a lot of right answers, um, it can lead to inertia. So um, you kind of uh, wade through it with leaders to say, is this a, is this a fear that you have generally of technology or or could it be that there are you're being bombarded with so many good options you don't know what the you don't want to take the wrong step because there's a lot of really good options there. Um, I would say where we're at, what we uh, wanted to do is find a real quality technology provider that could deliver on our service model, and then we're on the lookout for quality providers that can help augment that and create another dimension of our business that helps the caregiving services just be that much more effective for families. Okay, that's fair. So that segues then to another question I have based on what we've been discussing, which is, you know, in many industries through the years, we would see chief information officers, chief technology officers, and then CIOs, EOs, FOs, and so on. But over the last number of years, um, in many industries, we've seen them start to bring on chief information security officers or chief privacy officers. Are you seeing the same types of things or perspectives or movement um, in this industry? Or what is the general outlook on that idea? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, if you're naive to it, you find out relatively quickly and you usually learn the hard way. If you uh, err on the side that, uh, like you said, chief information security officer isn't as much of a need uh, because the systems are just um, uh, are just so well developed. I think you can't underestimate your organization's um, need for that type of leadership. And um, I think we're playing a catch-up game to the HR, you know, to be on the HR side, to be actually be able to find those qualified individuals who can help data architect your system. So not just through and not just from uh, HIPAA violations or some of the things that we have going on in the States, it's, it's nefarious individuals who are out for information and sometimes just looking to take down a company. Um, because it's part of what they do. It's creating chaos, which creates more business opportunities for kind of the nefarious individuals they, they work for. So I don't think you can underestimate the need for chief information security officers, right. or chief information officers that have those folks very tightly tied to the very the highest echelons of any organization. That makes sense. So, so when I talk about um, readiness to adopt new methods of monitoring and data collection, like you've mentioned fall detection a couple of times. There, there are companies out there that actually have some really cool and innovative next-gen ideas, and they have the working hardware to show it. But one device in a room, it collects data about you and your movements all day, every day, all of the time in order to establish and understand patterns. Then after it understands patterns, it's able to start doing predictive analytics to say, hey, this seems to be an out-of-ordinary walking behavior as compared to other data we have. This has the probability or at least possibility of leading to a fall. Um, Having that type of technology uh, potentially is magnificent and wonderful and amazing. 
um, and understanding behavior and habit and results and state and all of the things. However, it's also lots and lots and lots of data that we would now be collecting seven by 24. So not just when a healthcare worker comes in to collect it, but all of the time. And we already do that with today's medical devices, but now it becomes multi-dimensional, uh, if you will. Do you think that, is that, are you seeing the adoption of these types of ideas? And tell me too, if you think I'm talking crazy, but like the idea of geofencing to understand where people are in relation to where they shouldn't be, or understanding when healthcare workers did arrive or when they left, or uh, those types of things. Do you think the organizations are entertaining these things, actively reviewing, adopting, have already implemented, and, and I'm behind the curve here? Uh, so it's a great question. <clears throat> and so, uh, and it's a fantastic discussion. So I'd say the first thing, <clears throat> you know, that was probably the biggest innovation when it came to home care was the adoption of geofencing to whether or not a caregiver was actually at the client's home or not. So, uh, you know, prior to geofencing technologies or telephony uh, that could be tied to even a, a, you know, a phone number. So a caregiver is at a client's home, they call a number, they check in, but then also on the back end, you can geofence where that phone is. So you can ensure that the caregiver is actually at the client's home. So I think that's step one. And that was and is highly active within the home care world. And I think other technologies like Kronos and whatnot is, uh, is widely used within senior living. The, the challenge with Kronos is that it doesn't attach to multiple payers. It's built for a single payer system, uh, but they have also advanced their technology. So at least they're on mobile and they have geofencing ability. So I think on the HR side, um, absolutely at work and, and getting better uh, day by day. On the client side, <clears throat> I think uh, the challenges and what I've seen in the industry over the last 10 years as these technologies have developed is I've seen attorneys mesh with executives inside of organizations to say, if we get a certain amount of data, who is going to respond to it and how are we going to respond and in what period of time and setting the criteria to responding to data or anomalies and an algorithm, whatnot. That's the real challenge, I think. And some of these technologies have done a really nice job of kind of self-regulating that and becoming a system to itself. But I still think organizations wrestle with their overall um, liability when it comes to taking in too much data. So if they don't get the data, then are they li then they're 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 less liable it, you know, for their organization to say, well, you, you had the data, you had the alert, and you didn't respond. And so the, you know, the backside of that is that most of these organizations are, haven't done a great job of separating sales from operations. Mm. And that's a challenge because you, generally speaking, are driven by whether you say you're in a 501c3 and you're completely mission-oriented, you're still driven by a board who wants results. And so you still have operational leaders who are um, who are maybe running skinny on staff and you have people and then one day you have somebody call out and you have to reapportion staff to fix an emergency. And then all of a sudden they can't sit in front of the monitoring technology and respond to an alert. Right. Well, it comes down to prioritization in organizations and risk management. And some are more ready for that than others. But I think COVID has shown that organizations have to prioritize this. They need to prioritize this and they can, they can solve um, some of that peace of mind that's inside of a decision maker's head uh, in terms of the quality of care that their loved ones being provided. That's fair. You're right. You haven't said all these things. I'm going to add a couple of things to what you've mentioned, but I think that I, uh, you're right. I agree with you in that. Um, a lot of the technology adoption uh, considerations, really, it comes down to who's going to be responsible for deciding what you're going to do. What problem are you solving? What are the solutions that are available to help you solve the problem? And then if you're going to implement it, 
How do you operationalize that? And more and more, a lot of the new Internet of Things, connected things, technologies, remote monitoring, geofencing, fall detection, all of these types of things are designed to be collecting data all of the time, which requires its own on-purpose plan. How much data are you getting? Where are you putting it? How do you secure it? Who gets to use it? All of those things. Those are organizational problems to solve. But you have additional challenges, which is how many people do I need on my team to do this stuff? Like if, if I'm primarily a healthcare provider, my job is to love people with uh, the mission for independence, autonomy, you know, dignity, and in the medical care space, that may not mean then that I'm also technology savvy, which means I have to bring on more technical staff. I have to have a more um, in-depth um, organizational plan for data management, data privacy. This looks like adopting the technology could be a double-edged sword, uh, which is enabling more opportunity, but also increasing responsibility, accountability, and liability. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, just from a basic leadership encouragement for organizations, what I would say is an area to focus on would be to help your employees overcome the I'm just a kind of syndrome. Well, I'm just a nurse or I'm just an LPN or, I, you know, I'm just a director. Uh, oftentimes what that, when people say that it's kind of a cry for help, that you're asking them to get into something that they don't fully understand. And so, um, you know, helping them along saying, you know, we're going to walk through this with you. We're going to learn this together. And then relying on your partners who are providing the technology for service is critical. And I think, you know, I don't know of anybody in this space of technology or the provision of technology services that is succeeding and thriving without having an extremely strong support team. People that can ask questions, people that offer 24 um, seven support, uh, you know, and with a smile. So, you know, the industry is really getting better at this, but employees still need a lot of encouragement because it still is relatively new. And you are looking for oftentimes that person who's wanting to step forward and raise their hand and say, I'll take that on. So Mark, that brings me to a different question, given that uh, you mentioned earlier that this is a franchise-based model, which understandably, everybody understands that in order to have a business, um, anybody can start a business, but in order to keep a business, you have to take into consideration a lot of things, which is if we want to continue to exist, I have to continue to make money and the amount of money I make has to be greater than the money I'm spending. So profitability, everybody gets that. But there are additional things as well, especially in a franchise model, which is um, how much responsibility, accountability, uh, autonomy is provided to the franchises. In other words, do they get to make all of their own decisions on tools and privacy and security? Or is there some level of things that's passed down from the, the enterprise uh, that says, hey, this is yours, but you have to follow these 10 privacy and confidentiality expectations or we have a problem? How do you balance that or how do you see that happening? Sure. As, so I can just speak from my own experience and then um, a, a few places that I've worked before. So we created our model at Home Care Advocacy Network based on a lot of what we saw was missing between the two worlds, both the home care world and the senior living world. So I'll just start with, start with a couple broad statements. In general, home care is uh, fairly poor at document management. So we saw this as a real challenge when I was working with franchise owners in the past with other organizations. Uh, one of the worst things that can happen to a franchise owner was when you let them know that the standards team was coming out. Even though the standards team was well-meaning, they were coming out to check on their records, to look into things. Um, and there was always a mad scramble to make sure we had documents, et cetera, all in line because they wanted to do well for the franchisor. They wanted to present well and they wanted to have the best processes. So uh, we created a system that's required. We didn't create it. We purchased it. Um, and so we require an HR management system that we provide at, a, at a, an extremely low cost. It's called Ease. And, um, and that's a, a required system. The other required system 
in our ecosystem is ClearCare Online. And this is just me speaking to the systems that we're utilizing. What we liked about that is that when it came to decision-making, we were able to see from headquarters perspective what our franchisees were billing. And then we knew that the system that we chose had every opportunity for our franchisees to abide by the local laws that governed their individual business. So I think um, that's some of the challenge that's in our marketplace is where you have a system like ClearCare Online that's clearly built for home care with the proper rules and settings in place. And home care is a is a decidedly kind of territorial, unique business. So the laws in Philadelphia uh, can be extremely different than the laws governing that business in California. So you have to have a system that is able to operate within the territories that you as a franchisor want and need to operate. And so we had to pick systems that one could help get our franchisees uh, in elite class of document management. And we believe that's uh, the system we chose with ease. And two, ClearCare Online was a the largest provider of in-home services, technology, and uh, billing, payroll, caregiver, and uh, care plan support in the industry. So we have those two as requirements within our kind of ecosystem. Um, and I think where we go with franchisees, if there's something outside of those two systems that a franchisee um, sees as an opportunity to augment their system or add their own technology or add a new provider into the way they're um, into the way that into the way they're approaching the marketplace, uh, we like to have you know first of all conversations and relationships with our franchisees to understand if that's something that is going to detract from the mission or it's something that's going to augment the mission. And so we like to start there. And if it's something that we're missing, we're open to it. Uh, we're open to hearing or seeing um, uh, you know, their perspective on things, but um, we definitely wanted to control the two core systems that our franchisees operated under. Okay, that makes sense. So I imagine that as that, basically what you just said was you do have a baseline, uh, a baseline expectation, um, but the franchise may have additional, different, or augmented ideas, if you will, that, uh, and you're willing to hear those and evolve with those. Um, technology changes all of the time um, anyway. And so the thing that made sense now may not continue to make sense six or 18 months from now anyway. So it's good that you're constantly evaluating and, and, and listening. Matthew, I'll tell you just, just a quick story. Um, about five years ago, I was working for an organization and we surveyed, uh, we had 180 caregivers locally and we surveyed 100 of them. And we asked them what their number one technology challenge was that they encountered in their, in their workday with clients. And you would think it would be something like, something kind of grandiose, but in large part, what our caregivers came back and said that it was the remote control. <laughs> so I think it's interesting when, you know, before we get too far down the road and get too grandiose in talking through technology and making sure where end users are really at. So be five years down the road and our caregivers still may be struggling with, you know, how do I change the channel after one caregiver leaves? What, what's that button? What's that input button again? And how do we, how do I navigate just the basic daily activities of technology? And so I think it's important to keep good relationships with both families and caregivers just to make sure they're getting everything they need right now before we start adding and layering um, further things that could complement their, their jobs or their daily lives. That is a really good call out. I did not think of that, Mark. That's uh, just generally operating the household in which they're supposed to be helping. There are fundamental things that... Well, that's a good call out. So like a long time ago, people used to complain about programming the VCR. Now people are saying, hey, there are 75 different types of remotes and I can't even turn on the TV. It's a good call. If you could program a VCR back in the day, uh, if you could get it figured out, you were a genius and you're probably calling your neighbor who was good at it uh, to come over and program yours. And so you're absolutely right. So the basics of daily caregiving, 
uh, are challenged with some basic technologies. And so, so it is as well, just from an aging in place perspective, if you're a senior um, in the home. So smart technologies, I think, will, of course, continue to be uh, an important factor in aging in place service. It's a good call, though. We've done some work in past lives with uh, care centers, customer care centers across the U.S. Um, and internationally. And one of the problems that they ended up having to solve was we can have all of this software and we can have all of the technology solutions and the ability to receive the calls and help the client. But all knowledge is not common. And so there would have to be uh, intranet sites or frequently asked questions sites where anybody who's on the phone could go look up anything, um, not just what was being sold, but all the unexpected crazy things as well. That's, that's a really good amplification there. So when you're working with different technology organizations, you're looking at software, you're looking at hardware, you're looking at communication solutions, your organization's focus is loving people. And that may mean that not all of the people in your house are actually technology savvy or even desire it, and that's understandable. So when you do have a technology com company, um, when you're looking for technologies, what are you looking for in the companies? What would be an ideal scenario? I mean, forget you find a device. You find this device, the device looks amazing, but you meet the people in the company and you actually don't want to work with them at all. So. A device or some solution that they sell is one thing, but what types of things in a technology company would you actually find valuable and what influences you to make a decision? Uh, what we look for are uh, tech companies that understand how um, a franchise owner would position their particular technology if they're asking us to include it in our service model. Oftentimes they let, they just want corporate to buy it. Well, in a franchise world where those there's there's a gross margin that you're managing with each service hour, every incremental step up in cost either raises the cost of care, um, or if you get technology to get cheaper over time, it can drive it down. Um, so we look for technology companies that are empathetic and that understand and that are really trying to understand uh, the business model. That these are primarily, it's 98 to 99% of our clients are private pay clients. And uh, everybody's trying to figure out how to deliver more and better care for less. So if they come at us with, hey, let's go ahead and we'd like to sell this to you for $30,000 a year, and they really haven't put much thought into it on a per franchise basis, that they almost kind of self-select out of the process for us to consider their technology. Or if they approach it to say, well, Mark, you know, maybe your franchisees could uh, add, you know, an extra $10 per day to their care. Like they clearly don't understand that, you know, generally speaking, it's not billed on a per day basis. Clients get 20 to 27 hours a week. So, so there's a lot of self-selecting out when we're looking at, um, what companies have really tried to understand the model and what and which ones have it. Now, there's certain technologies where we're working on the other side, really trying to figure out also um, how could we get this technology to make sense for our business model? Um, our question is now, how does that change the pricing scenario with a local family until uh, either that technology is paid for, you know, uh, in a similar way to... Oh, like remote patient monitoring uh, has kicked in for certain technologies, but that's based on Medicare and it isn't based on generally a private pay model. So that's kind of the first thing we look at. Um, the second thing that we're really looking at is, is it applicable? Is it something that is we're seeing consumer demand for, or is it just a really great idea that might be either uh, you know, might be too soon to the marketplace. And there are a number of those companies that have just arrived maybe a little too soon for consumers or for um, home care businesses uh, or even senior living providers or whatnot. And so um, there's just a balance there. And uh, we try to balance our cautiousness with optimism at all times. So technology providers that... Um 
approach you from your perspective, and we tend to agree uh, as well on our side, is really what you're asserting is, um, if you don't understand my business model, it's going to be pretty hard for you to actually say words that resonate with me because I understand my business model. I need you to also. So that was first and foremost what I took was you need to understand how I operate as opposed to just trying to sell me a new widget. Then the next thing that I heard you say as well, if I could uh, restate and tell me if I get it right, uh, for all practical purposes, you said uh, you need to make sure, you didn't say it like this, but you basically said um, it's important for you guys to know what problem you want to solve or else you just have to look at this as, hey, is this really cool or is it actually going to change how we do business? But you can't answer that question unless you already know what problem you want to solve. And that's one of the things that's, that we see a lot, which is it's interesting to look at new things, but if you don't know what problem you want to solve or if you don't know what it's good for, then you're just spending money. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I have a, we have some, uh, some uh, very important colleagues that we work with. We also have, a, we also have created a 501c3 professional caregiver support fund. And someone that we've worked with quite a bit here in the state of Nebraska, Dr. Joy Dahl, she works for the Nebraska Health Information Initiative, uh, the Healthcare Collaborative here. And she's written white papers for us. She has a great TED Talk out there, but, um, you know, she challenges me often to think differently about the changing world we live in. And one of her, uh, one of the things I've really learned from her is there's a point where you're collecting too much data as well. And you're, um, there is diminishing returns on the data that you're bringing in. Like, do you need to bring in all the data that is available to you for decision-making? And so, um, you know, she, I've had her join me on some calls with tech providers and those are some of the questions that she comes back with, whether or not they're really a savvy person who understands the healthcare space, or if they're more purely on the tech side, they're a newbie to the market and they have a really cool idea, but they haven't figured out where those boundaries are. And to real practitioners within the healthcare space, as you get further outside of home care into healthcare, they're looking for some of those boundaries. They're not looking for every single piece of data necessarily because they know there's a challenge to then managing that data. The fact that you have that data uh, now becomes something that your organization may have to manage and act on. So um, I try to arm myself with people like her in my life that can kind of sharpen me in areas and keep me, um, keep me on my toes when I'm, as I'm thinking about technology as well. It makes a lot of sense. And you're right. If you don't know what you want to do with the data, then it's just noise. And if you're collecting it, now you have to store it and pay for the storage and pay for the management, even though you still have no idea what you're going to do with it. So, so it just goes back to know what you want to solve and then go looking. Do you believe the home care industry right now, um, do you see any risks in the future? In other words, do you see cause for concern or risks or things that really make you uncomfortable in the future as it relates to melding new technologies with home care teams and our elders? Do you see things that make you say, ah, that could be cool, but I'm going to wait a little bit and see how this pans out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think um, as we, uh, as I guess, as we're looking down the road, um, the natural biggest risk is actually what our business model is. So if you ask people, generally speaking, in the, in the home care world, um, you know, what they need, you know, as a franchise owner or somebody who operates a home care business, they would say, well, I need more caregivers. You know, I just need more. They're always talking about needing more caregivers. And so I do think the biggest risk, it, um, I would say, in our industry is overall, uh, as it comes to technology, making sure that caregiver workforce is, um, is educated, is in touch. Um, is able to adapt to new technologies so our industry doesn't get outpaced. So what you have 
happening right now is you have uh, oftentimes home care agencies where demand is high, um, just running forward, trying to meet demand without being able to step back or not taking the time to step back and actually work on their business. And that would be coaching, developing, training caregivers on the importance of technology, bringing them in, focusing on training with their caregivers so that they can have the opportunity to adapt to new technologies and feel taken care of. So that's uh, that's one of the larger risks, I would say, that's, um, that's out there in the industry. I would say there's, generally speaking, more opportunities um, than there are risks because uh, when we're, you're kind of selling a service where 93% of the people that you're working with, they don't want to move somewhere and you're offering them the opportunity to age in place. It's something they want, just whether or not your service and their needs match up somewhere in the middle. So uh, generally speaking, I'm more optimistic and less, um, less um, kind of risk heavy in, in this, but um, managing not just, uh, you know, getting caregivers, but then managing them, training them, staying connected with them as it goes to with technology is going to be key for the future of home care. That's a really good call out. That's pretty insightful. It's a, it would be a normal thing for a technology company to arrive at some type of software or hardware or combination service, product and service, and try and sell that thing. And to add it to the existing operation to be used to take care of our elders, that would be a focus of a sale many times. Um, but to your point, I think is value is defined by not only providing seven-star service on a five-star scale to your customers, your clients, our elders, it could be my mom, but it's also making sure that the franchise owners, the home care providers, the healthcare services folks aren't left behind along the way, or the business itself could just implode, which is you're doing spectacular, amazing, cool things for the people at home but the healthcare providers are having to bear the weight of being left behind and becoming less and less relevant or aware of how to do a good job. So it's got to be holistic. This comes back to your business plan. Know my business plan. You didn't say this, but more or less, know my business plan or stop talking. Similarly, if you're going to bring me a solution, make it a holistic solution. Take care of my customers. Take care of my staff. It's the same conversation, not two different conversations. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, the, you know, to add to that, it's not just home care companies and senior living providers, but it's, you know, when uh, I worked for an organization based out of Maryland, uh, I worked a lot, uh, pretty heavily with the Department of Aging in the state of Maryland, who was looking for, you know, a strong technology platform that could help keep their seniors in their homes, interconnected with high-touch, high-value services from a command center because they knew that, you know, a lot of times people's, um, you, know, it, you know, general reaction is when something goes wrong, call the doctor, call 911. So you see emergency room, re, emergency room visits, you see readmissions go up when people aren't connected socially. So I think maybe not one of the risks, but a competitor almost in our business is going to be other people like state governments and whatnot, actually pursuing innovation harder than our own industry is as well. So there's, there's maybe a little bit of caution there because everyone is trying to figure out how to keep uh, a senior population that's aging fast, um, better connected, feeling better about their decision makings when it, their decision making when it comes to healthcare and even state level organizations like the Department of Aging for Maryland is they're trying to find opportunities they actually came up with a grant program we worked within called Community for Life and it was the they were challenging local organizations to try to figure out how to um, and giving them a territory it was very similar to franchising giving them a territory and a grant and helping them figure out um, and paying for them to figure out how to keep seniors better connected in the community. And they wanted to see kind of the best creativity rise to the top. Well, we, and that in part really inspired the Home Care Advocacy Network because we, I was a part of the development of that, um, 
of uh, many of those discussions in the state of Maryland at the, at the time as they were launching that program. And so what we saw broadly in the marketplace was you had this private market that's growing, but then also you have the public sector that's trying to figure out very similar issues. And um, they may be lacking awareness about home care and how flexible and creative we've already uh, been and how flexible and creative in some of the vast technology um, enhancements we've already made. And so I think at some point in the future, we have to men- we have to meld those worlds, but we have to stay on our toes because everybody's going after very similar solutions. Hmm. Any parting thoughts for us as it relates to today's Internet of Things, connected things, technologies, or risks and liabilities, or data, or senior uh, leadership? I mean, anything else you'd like to teach us uh, or share with us? Yeah, you know what? I think there's, um, there's you know, one thing, and I learned this a long time ago, that that home care and caring for a senior is as simple as a caregiver and a client. So never underestimating the power, first and foremost, of human contact, human touch, and the value of having another human say, you're important. I value you. I'm taking the time out of my day to let you know that I value you. And I'm here with you. Uh, Can't understate the value that that brings to the human condition. So I'd say, first and foremost, uh, you know, I would encourage leaders to just, if you're going to boil down what you can do, it's figuring out how to make that caregiver, client, caregiver, uh, receiver of services connection happen. Um, and let that kind of passion drive the uh, drive your um, mission forward when it comes to technology. How to augment, make that connection even better between a caregiver and a client and a family member. Um, that's what life is all about, is helping uh, make the experience here on Earth just a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more empathetic, and we're all happier at the end of the day when that happens. So that's my closing words. That's outstanding. Mark, thank you for taking the time to get together with us today to teach us and give us uh, insight into what you see and experience. And uh, we look forward to learning from you and, and watching your company's growth and evolution into the future. Thank you very much. Mr. Edwards, thank you. The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting, where Matthew serves as the CEO and President. If you need to find a more simple, reliable path to achieve your desired outcomes, visit trility.io. To my listeners, thank you for staying with us. I hope you're able to take what you heard today and apply it in your context so that you're able to realize the predictable, repeatable outcomes you desire for you, your teams, company, and clients. Thank you.